Welcome to Karma is Supreme, the podcast that takes you on a soulful journey through the spiritual realms, blending ancient wisdom with modern insights. I'm your host, Kashish Kambhir, and together we'll embark on a transformative odyssey through the realms of consciousness, aliens, ghosts, psychics, religion, and the profound philosophy that binds us all. In the heart of our discussions, we'll draw inspiration from the rich tapestry of Indian spirituality, weaving together the timeless teachings of the Vedas, Upanishads, and more. Don't forget to join our community by subscribing, liking, and sharing your celestial energy with your fellow seekers. For exclusive links to spiritual freebies, courses, events, movies, and more, connect with me on Instagram and visit my website kashashkambhir.com. Your spiritual journey just got even more exciting. I was watching this documentary of yours searching for Sheila on Netflix and in one of these scenes I saw you holding the hand of Oshuji and getting him down the stairs and in that scene what I actually saw was a lot of love in your eyes and a lot of warmth in his presence too for you you know so there was this in that short scene i saw this chemistry between you two and i can i personally can never imagine a uh, a disciple you know doing anything to his beloved master so i want to know is that love still alive and what is your your favorite moment with osho ji what can i say if that love was not alive i would not be sitting in front of you talking he is the purpose of my life he is the motivator in me and the more i talk about him more his presence i have even after he's gone from me for years even after i had left him i left him not because i didn't love him I left him because of my own integrity. They're two different things. Yes. And love is always present. If I show you where I'm sitting right now, photos on the walls, I begin my day looking at him and my parents. and i end my day looking at him and my parents i have had such beautiful moments that erases anything that he says about me or i say about him that's the beauty of love yeah 
So what is your favorite moment with him? My favorite moment was the first moment when I fell in love with him. Where for me life and death both became one in that very moment. If I would have died in that moment, I was ready for it. Tell me more. How was that first moment? What was it? I I can't say much more than that. How I felt. I felt if death came today, my life was complete. That was the feeling. Mm. And from then on, I only wanted to be in his presence. And when I left him, I left him because I could not resolve a conflict in me. Then it is the best time to leave. Right. But after leaving him for, for almost 30 years or so, I don't even remember the amount of time. Mm. I am still connected to him. You can feel that. I have a spiritual teacher too. Right. Yeah. So when you say that you left because, um, you know, you could not resolve a conflict with him, what was that conflict really? Well, the conflict was the responsibility I was given in love and trust as a secretary of his. And I could not fulfill that without his support. Yes. And at that point, he was not ready to support me. Hmm. Then I must say, I'm incapable of being your secretary. Yeah. You assign me a job and I cannot do it. Then it's time for someone else to come in. Right. Did you ever feel a tinge of jealousy for someone who was getting more closer to him while you were there? No. I was taught from the first day when he appointed me a secretary, he said, Sila, I am putting you in a place of world envy. Beware of it. 
don't be victim of it yeah. and how can i feel jealous of somebody else we all felt love for this man and from all people the love that i felt for him how can i deny others of it that's right it is impossible so tell me something while you were um his secretary and when you moved to us you know you took him to us you basically built such a huge empire there which i believe is very difficult to build such a huge empire i mean what gave you that strength and how did you do it this is something people are not ready to understand that we didn't go to build a empire there Mm. we wanted a place where we all can live life together in uh, our own way our own philosophy or learning however way you want to present it near bhagwan thousands of people were coming on a daily basis to visit him i mean you are in india you know how people flock around churches and their gurus yes it was no different these people needed a place to stay when they come visit we left india because of it also because the we tried to find land in india where we can sit together in a similar way but it was a political emergency under mrs gandhi mm-hmm. and this political emergency did not allow us to buy or sell land or buildings so we ventured out we come to us with a hope that us constitution will protect us and allow our religious freedom mm. but then where we fa- found the land was a christian region okay it was antelope yeah and near antelope not antelope antelope is 19 miles further than us okay 
do you understand? They wouldn't even feel the air that we were breathing. Antelope was so far, 19 miles. There is almost close 30 kilometers. Right, that's pretty far. Yeah. So, but basically the human race say, love thy neighbor. But when neighbor moves in, torture the neighbor. Mm. That is the mentality. Mm. And they blocked our progress in every way that they can. You have seen it in Wild Wild Country. There is a raw footage of the yeah. Um, hate and defense. Yes. So we didn't go with a plan to build a city. City came two years later when they blocked our uh, our uh, building permits. Okay. We needed residential buildings. Mm. The land was zoned as Graceland. And they used this law to stop us. Then one of the sannyasins of Bhagwan, who was a student of political science, Okay. He what says, was the name? Uh, Krishna Deva. Okay. Um, don't ask me too many names. I have no memory. I'm okay. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> 74. I'm surprised I remember so quickly his name. <laughs> um, but he suggested to hassle with the county politics, why don't we just create our own city? We need 150 American voters. Mm. Easiest way, then we have government in our hand. And that's what we did. And they of course, didn't want us to exercise our own constitutional rights. So we didn't go with any blueprints, any plans, any idea. Bhagwan was guiding me step by step what I have to do. I'm no student of political science or uh, or city builder. I'm not even a management expert. All of that, what I know now, I have learned from Bhagwan. Mm -hmm. 
So like I have a few questions with respect to this uh, documentary Searching for Sheila. I'll ask you that question, right? I was silent for three and a half years. And in that silent period, the group of Ma'anan Sheila exploited the innocent sannyasins and tried to create a religion. So he has been saying that she did not even come to say goodbye. What do you have to say about this? <laughs> well, I have nothing more to say about it because I have already written in my autobiography, Don't Kill Him. I have even presented, written goodbye to him in mm. my book, Don't Kill Him. Um, and it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter after 30 years. have to say goodbye because I'm still living with him. That's very beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So the next one is here. She was just my secretary. She says she was my lover. I don't love prostitutes. So what do you really have to say about this? What I see is um, there's a sort of a conflict here that I see, and that is a disciple's love for a teacher where she would go to any lengths to protect him. And then the teacher is saying something else. This is a huge, these are like two ends of one pole, very two different perspectives. So where is this gap coming from? What is What did really happen there? Allow me to say, life is full of contra contradictions. Teacher and disciple. If you have a dialogue between sun and moon, they have each their perspective. They have each their moments. Bhagwan had thousands of disciples near him. Nobody thought Sheila and Bhagwan is separable. And Sheila lives in. Bhagwan has to hold on to his other disciple. For him, it is a problem situation. Sheila is gone, who is going to uh, move this machine that has come to existence. And it is a love story, basic love story. Man and woman 
have a conflict, they trash them out. Mm. Is it worth talking about it after so many years? Is my question to you. You see it on daily basis around your life. And to talk trash, even a spiritual man like Bhagwan had to stoop to it because the human race cannot live without trash. Mm. For me, he can say whatever he wants to say. I give him full freedom. And people ask me this question over and over again also, that he has trashed you out and you're still talking about your love. Is this normal? No, it is not normal. What I felt was in my life also golden. Let me ask you a um, question following this, that when he said such words, there was this thought that came to my mind was an enlightened person who is imbued in, you know, the love of Lord or that wisdom of the divine. How can an enlightened person speak such words? Because he's simply a human just like you and me. Mm. One should not take away humanness yes. from anybody. Mm. People tend to put gurus on a pedestal, you know, putting them, giving them that title of something like that makes them non-human. That makes people see, oh, this person is not human, he's magic or he's God himself, you know. But a very weird thing is that, you know, all of the holy books, whether it is Hinduism or Christianity or Sikhism, they have all taught us that the real guru, the real teacher is the Shabad and Shabad is basically called by different names in different holy books. So in Christianity, it is called the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. In Chinese, it's called the Tao. In in uh, Hinduism, it's called Ram Dhun or Ram Nam. And then they say, then this these holy books teaches that the human guru that is there is just to connect us to that Shabad because he himself is connected. Now, you have been there, 
you have lived with oshuri for many years you have lived his life basically i don't know if he really connected people to shabad or not or his of course way of doing was different his way of meditation and everything was different i've experienced some of it not not went into very detailed because i have been practicing the shabad but i do know one thing for sure that when a person who is enlightened and who's who's you know enjoying that bliss within himself and his consciousness is expanded who is having all these spiritual experiences neither he speaks any words like that to hurt anyone whatsoever no matter whatever situation especially not his disciple and he doesn't do drugs i i heard you saying that he did drugs is that true yes so that basically makes him just like any other human who was doing drugs and maybe probably thinking that he was high on spirituality is that a possibility it makes no difference to me whether one uses drugs or spirituality for addiction addiction remains addiction Mm. addiction pulls you down i work with addiction here and we set the parameter for our gurus and masters our parameter tends to have a smaller frame limited mindset right and we feel over excited about how the other human has to carry our parameter yeah in fact i am glad bhagwan said all the nasty things about me now we can break the frame and let him be a human that he was he with all with all this awareness i would say he was as human as anyone who was probably addicted to drugs and maybe got a few spiritual experiences got that wisdom but i know one thing for sure that a person who is spiritually high who is in that divine love of the lord is doesn't need drugs because he, that divine love gives so much spiritual high you know it it makes you so high that you don't need drugs drugs are giving you one and what that divine love it gives you it gives you 100 there's a huge difference you don't need anything like that so it definitely makes him more human for me no <laughs> okay human and that was his beauty for me hmm and 
that created a human conflict in me. Yeah. My conflict was if he continues, we give an excuse to the government to shut us down under the name of drugs. Mm. And at the same time, I go against his teachings of addiction. Mm. He had always spoken about to be aware one has to move away from any addiction. He has spoken that. Oh, yes. And, and then he was doing it himself. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, I could not resolve the conflict. Yeah. He said, you stay out of it, Sheila. Mm. You don't interfere. Mm. And the people who were experimenting with him with drugs were people who had other idea of him. What other idea? Looting him. They are occupying his ashram. Mm. They have stolen all his copyrights. Coming to this point, let me ask you one question. So, what I observed from, you know, the Osho ashrams, and also there was this one case of uh, Bikram Yoga, if you would have heard of it. No, so there was this, there was this guru. Okay, so there was this guru, a yoga guru, Bikram, and he had this Bikram yoga centers in the US. And then something happened, you know, there were these two ladies who basically, they claimed that he tried to behave inappropriately with them. And then there was a case on him. And then he and his wife, he was married, he and his wife, his family basically ran away from the US. And after that, the foreigners, they basically occupied his centers, Vikram Yoga centers, and then they started running it. So that was a bit weird for me because the same thing happened here in the in Oshoji's case, where you know his centers have now been occupied by the foreigners. And you can see a pattern here. So there's a guru that comes in a foreign land, and then you see his following growing, you see money coming in, and then there's a case on them. There's something that wrong happens in between, you know, something that just creates a sort of a conflict in the whole system. And then people run out, the guru runs or the guru is removed in some way. And then the foreigners occupy that place. Now, here's the point. If the guru is really a fraud, if, if everything was so wrong, then why do foreigners occupy their space and then continue to run it under their names only. Okay, he was fraud. You said he was fraud. Then change the name. 
why are you running under his name only so if you are running under his name and you were the one to throw him out first there is definitely a plan here kedis now after 35 years since i have left my autobiography in german i had written it in 1996 there i had spoken about bhagwan's death not being natural mm. we don't know how he died maybe he was it, given drugs who knows his uh, the person who had signed the death certificate of bhagwan declares clearly but he's a old man now he he may die any time they have forged his signatures oh and the case is in high court but corruption they keep feeding the court systems and police systems the money and court cases are going on now for 30 years my god Th- this okay. this speaks for itself exactly now to me i don't want any part of these people i left leave me alone mm. sort of attitude i have mm. i live it my bhagwan in my heart i could care less what happens to his copyrights and thing but what annoys me that these people are cutting and pasting his words according to their own convenience convenience and celebrity mm bhagwan had always told us do not edit even my mistakes they have a purpose yes it is his way of making people aware mm that was his human talent Mm-hmm. and these people have been misusing it since 1985 i have left even today hmm. this is really important that whatever teaching that the teacher has given it should not be edited for sure in fact this is exactly the problem that even the religions have been facing today there have been misinterpretations miscalculations during the translations of the teachings of the past teachers for instance 
uh, I'm just reminded of something right now. The Bible, the original version, it said, if thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Now, there thy eye be single really meant, if your third eye is open, thy whole body shall be full of light. The single eye was being referred to as a third eye. So it was his, it was the way of teaching of that teacher. But now, when you see the new version of the Bible, they have changed the line, which changes the whole meaning, by the way, what teacher taught. It says, if thy eyes be healthy, thy, thy body shall be full of light. It changes the entire meaning. The third eye has gone out of the question. The single eye really meant the third eye. And now you have changed the single eye to healthy eyes. It doesn't make sense. So whatever the teacher is basically teaching us, even if those mistakes, as you mentioned, they do definitely mean something. And it should not be edited for sure. So <laughs> anyway, so tell me something. Oshoji did not give any legal rights to anybody for these ashrams. And as you mentioned that the person who's, who, who's basically sign is there on the death certificate, those signs are also forged. So right now... The death certificate sign is not forged. The doctor who saw his dead body and declared him dead on a death certificate, he says that he saw overdose given to him. That is not death. That's a murder, basically. Right. And it was Bhagwan's personal doctor together with the, another person who took the management in hand, they were the culprit, as I understand. Hmm. Okay, so uh, right now, when you when did you come to Switzerland, by the way? In 1990, but I have been coming to Switzerland uh, in 70s also. Okay. And when you passed by, because I was living in US and then I would go visit my parents or something or go visit Pukwan, then I would. Okay. Nice. Your parents are where? They unfortunately no longer with me except on my walls. I'm they so have sorry. died. <laughs> so, so when you came here to Switzerland, you know, after all that happened, so were there any other people also who came with you? When I left Pakwan, hmm my entire team decided to live with me. They were aware of the problems mm. and my conflict. They all supported you? Yeah. That's good. Are they still living with you? Huh? No, no. Since then, I have no more contact. 
Okay. Cool. Yeah. One thing I do feel so here in Switzerland, you have this help home, right, where you are treating people. Uh, no, I'm not treating. I'm living life with them. Oh, okay. These are um, mentally, psychologically, and physically handicapped people, and I stabilize them by living life with them and bringing pleasure in their life. Um, they. Most of them don't have family or friend, uh, anybody because of their handicap. I'm their family. That's so I wonderful. Live That's so wonderful. Yeah. Of course, it is the Lord that has to judge us. Nobody can judge us in any way. Nobody has the right. Nobody has stands in that capacity to judge us in any ways. It is the Lord only. I am doing this work for 33 years today so, and have a project that i do in india i give them a month's ration uh, to the street people underprivileged people i do that every saturday uh, uh, 440 people. Okay. Every Saturday we distribute ration for a month. Wow. So if you don't mind, what is your source of income at the moment? I still work. I'm 74. You work as caretaker for these people? Yes. So are their families like paying you for that? I work 100%. Uh, my work is, I work seven days a week. From morning when I, I, I'm uh, awake till I go to bed in the evening. You have a lot of strength for sure. <laughs> You're a very strong lady, I must say. Okay. So, I have asked you all the questions that I had to ask, really. Now, you share anything that you want to share. I want to share with you and your listeners. Okay. No questions resolve doubts. And accept love, nothing pushes out doubts in the heart. Love is what I live by and I offer. Mm. 